Genesis 22 today. Genesis 22 is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, this can be a confusing passage of scripture. I remember when I was young and I first heard the story of Abraham and Isaac, I think a preacher told me, would you be willing to kill your own kids if God told you to? And I kept thinking, well, no, not really. I don't think I'd be able to do that. And if that's your reaction to this scripture, then you, you are correct. Do not come away from the story of Abraham and Isaac and think that God is okay with abuse because he's not. Instead, this story is about God's provision. And what we're going to do is we're going to look through this scripture. This is a passage that's closely tied with itself. It's like there's shoelaces throughout where there's phrases that happen in one part of the story that connect it to another part of the story, and that happens several times. So we're about to read this scripture together, and as we do read this chapter, Genesis 22, look for phrases that you see repeated, because we're going to draw out some of those interpretations in just a minute. So here we are, Genesis 22, starting with verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. 
Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. So we're kind of jumping into Abraham outside of a a larger series. Would somebody be able to quickly summarize uh, the life of Abraham and so that all of us are on the same page about who, who this person is? Uh, Abraham, uh, his, his life. Who, who is Abraham? Mm-hmm. Well, he was, um, God came to him and told him to leave his country and his family and to go to a place he could show him. And Abraham picked it up and went, just like he did here when God told him to sacrifice his son. And the next month he packed up and went, just like he was told Wow, that is a great insight. I'm glad you picked that up right away. That is really sharp. So what the passage that she's referring to in is in Genesis 12, uh, where God calls Abraham the first time. In Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And that's exactly how... uh, 22 verse 2 uh, says, uh, where he says, go to the region of Moriah, uh, to the mountain, I will show you. That's exactly right. That's beautiful. Thank you. So that, that's the first uh, connection. Uh, also on that same passage is where God gives him the promise and you see the promise repeated here in, in this chapter. And it's amazing when right at the beginning of Abraham's life, you see the promises of God and the calling of God. And at the end of his life, you see the promises of God and the call of God. It really helps us know that there is a theme to all of Abraham's life, that everywhere he goes, he is under the calling of God. He's experiencing the promises of God. When he's young and when he's old, he still has the promises of God. When he has plenty and when he's in want, he has the promises of God. When he's worried about his future and what will happen with his, his own son, he still has the promises of God. There's a theme throughout his life. I wonder, if you looked at your own life and had a theme for that, what, what would it be? What would you see how God has put your life together? In your relationships, in your vocation, in your calling, in your ministry? What would that be? Thank you. There's another connection that we see also in verse 1, where it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said, Abraham, uh, and he said, here I am. Where else in this chapter does that happen? When Isaac speaks to Abraham, tell us more about that. He says uh, they're walking along trying to figure out, I was just trying to put, uh, connect the dots, like what's going on here, you know, important things. So, so he calls out to his father and says, Abraham, he says, here I am. That's great. I like that connection where God calls him and he's also hearing a calling from his own son. His son is not silent in this passage. There's one other uh, place where God calls to Abraham. Do you see which verse that's in? 11. Right, 11. 
Gary, would you like to share more about that? Uh, Just when the angel says, Abraham, you know, stop what you're doing. Don't kill your son. That's right. Why do you think it is that God uh, addresses Abraham and he answers just the same way both, uh, in, in both of those spots? There isn't a, a right answer. This is just a chance to think about the scripture. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. The eye consciousness awakening Abraham. What's that? The eye consciousness. The eye consciousness? Abraham first. Yeah, to, what do you mean by the eye consciousness? Uh, knowing yourself, knowing yourself, the relation to the world, the creator. Unless you recognize your eye consciousness, your relation to God, and all his creation, which was Christ, you cannot make up the world. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's good. Would you repeat what he said? Yes, thank you. Yeah, what he was saying is that it, 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 he is just being conscious of who he is and his relationship with God. That God calls to him, and he is aware of who he is in his relationship with God. That God is the one who calls him, and he is the one who, who responds and, and serves the Lord. Does that capture what you're saying? Good, thank you. Good. So you even see a connection there between uh, where uh, Abraham is saying, here I am, and then later on when God reveals himself as I am to Moses, and the I am statements of Jesus in, in the Gospel of John. This is a very, very good comparison with what happened to Christ and Sacrifice that ultimately takes place later on. You're, yes, you're right. And we're going to bring out that, some more of that later on. But that's one of the uh, parallels to the other connections, looking between Isaac and Jesus. So but let's look a little bit more closely in uh, verse 2 as we're walking through the story. And it says that uh, he asked him to sacrifice his only son. He has an, another son, Ishmael. What happened to Ishmael? He was, sent away. he was sent away. So, thank you. And so right now, Abraham only has Isaac with him. So this is deeply personal. And he says to take him to Moriah. Does anybody know where that is? It's the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount. That's great. So this matters a lot because then at the end of the scripture uh, where it says, on the mount of the Lord it will be provided. This is the Temple Mount. They receive. They think God provided for us uh, during this time of Isaac there at the mountain that was later the temple. And later on, when they need anything provided from the Lord, they can look to him at the temple. And you know, we, when we come to church, we can look to God as our provider too. There's so many things that we need, whether it's wisdom or guidance, uh, provision and health, uh, praying for the salvation of family members. And when we come together at church, especially during prayers of the people, we can look to the Lord as our provider and pray for those things. And God will take care of us and he will provide for us. That's good. So when God asks him to offer Isaac as a, a sacrifice, 
Uh, would you call this blind obedience when, when Abraham does this? No. Go ahead. You don't think so? I think that he believed, I mean, God had already promised that he was going to build a nation through. I, I feel like I, Abraham thought, he, can, he gave him life, he can give him life again. Mm-hmm. Right. So he, he thinks this is, Isaac is going to survive this somehow, and he can have faith in God's promises. But he has to be obedient. But he has to be obedient. Good. Yes? Um, he says in verse 5, mm-hmm. the servants that are with him, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Mm-hmm. Worship, and then we will come back to you. Mm-hmm thinking that he's going to come back. Yes. He says it there. Yes, he does. That really shows what, what he thinks is going to happen. And then with that uh, verse, I'd, I'm interested in your thoughts. When Abraham says to his servants and then later on to his son, you know, God's going to provide and that he's going to come back, do you think that he's lying to them or that he's speaking out in faith about what he thinks that God is going to do? I think the latter. You think the latter, that he's speaking out in faith? Any other thoughts? This we were looking at Hebrews last week, and I guess we'll be looking at Hebrews again next week. The best thing to use a commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. So in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and we received the promises that in fact of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall be your offer. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which he speaking, he did receive him back. So by faith. So he had the faith, even according to Hebrews, that God could do it. Now, was I making it any easier? Uh, no. But he was obedient. That's right. So this would be really strange to have the story of a faith and provision, and all the way through, he's, he's lying. You know, this, this is not a picture of Abraham the scoundrel, although he makes other mistakes in his life. This time, he's really speaking out in faith. Now, this is difficult for us to put in, into practice in our own lives because there's times when we're facing difficulty in our own lives. But we can still speak out in faith about what God is going to do. What would that look like when, when you're facing uh, challenges to speak out in faith? in a healthy way. I think it comes down to, to Abraham trusted God because he had trusted him in the past. Mm-hmm. And so he continued to trust. And I think it's the same for us, is that we can continue to trust God. Even if we don't understand how all the pieces are going to come together, we don't know the full picture, but we know God does. Wonderful. He's helped us in the past, and although we can't see everything, God will put it together for us, and we can have faith in him. That's wonderful. Yes? The, the importance of following his commandments, um, that faith that he showed there is mainly, be, I think, that there was no predecessor of a sacrifice, a person who had sacrificed for the Lord, and then the Lord holding his hand. He had no, no, no reason to think that that wasn't that he knew like we've been talking about that, the Lord is for him uh, exclusively, and um, he's made these promises and that if he specifically says, you know, go do this thing, that it's got to be, I I just might not understand the full picture of what's going on, which he didn't, and so he 
did obedience. He just humbled himself, and, and, and the Lord made something really good from it. And our day-to-day lives would be like, again, just following what, what he's called us to um, um, through the scriptures, through our commandments. Um, sometimes they can feel more generalized because they don't have a specific for what to do in my occupation, specifically day to day, but that doesn't mean I can't apply um, the, the things uh, through grace and humility that right throughout from the beginning and then to the Bible. That's right. So you're saying that it really comes, put, doing it in faith is a matter of just living it out, living in humility and in godliness and everything that we do through our lives. That's good. 6 eight. Micah 6 eight. Quote, Go ahead and quote it. He has told you what is good, old man. Uh, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. And you just got to love and, and, and follow his commandments. Um, he made it relatively easy with Christ compared to what they had back here, right? <laughs> Genesis 2. I'm, I'm just going, I, I, I would fail. Yeah. Um, now that we have the Spirit, now that we have Christ articulating what all those old things meant, Hebrews are the same thing with all of the different patriarchs. It's like, I don't know. Um, it's fun. It is. Thank you. <clears throat> I know there's been times when um, I've had difficulty. I remember uh, one of my first professional jobs, I had a terrible manager. I, I, you might have had the same manager. You just think the one that you didn't like. And that's what she was like. And I remember in the car before I, I went into work, uh, listening to praise music and, and speaking scripture over myself. You know, I am a child of God. I can do all things through Christ. You know, that he is with me. And when you have that, it gives you such much boldness and courage to go and do something that's difficult. Because God calls us to do even hard things. But living those things out with, with joy and with peace and godliness. This is what a Christian life looks like. <laughs> Now, Abraham was uh, fully able to talk back to God when, when he was thinking through things. Uh, you can compare this to Genesis 18, uh, when God comes to him and says uh, that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That's Genesis 18, 23 and 25. And, you know, he goes back and forth with God about this. Like, are you sure? What about this? What about this? What about this? And he, he talks God down. But in the end, he says in that scripture that he, he has faith. God will do the right thing. And that's what he believes here. God will do the right thing. He can have faith in him. So the next connection we see is in, in verse 4. In verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And that same phrase, looked up and saw, is in verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there was in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And so he was able to look up and see something that God was working out twice. And I I feel like that really illustrates the point that you were talking about earlier. You can't always see how God's going to work it out. But then when you get there, it finally comes, makes sense. And isn't that what the call of God is like? in our lives so often. You can't understand how it's all going to work out at the beginning. But then when you get to the end, you see the conclusion, and you realize, oh, God had his hand in this all along, didn't he? Let's look at 6 verse uh, uh, briefly. Uh, you see here, 
Isaac was able to have all the wood on his shoulders. Uh, he'd take that and he'd carry that up the mountain. So if he was old enough to have all the wood that you need for the sacrifice on his shoulders alone and hike up a mountain, how old do you think Isaac would have been in this situation? 14, 15 maybe? Any other guesses? These are guesses. There's not a right answer again. Go ahead. I thought of something on verse 4. Yeah. Third day. Mm-hmm. The disciples looked up and saw the whole thing. Ah, that's a great connection. On the third day, they looked up and they saw, they saw Jesus resurrected also. That's wonderful. Yes, this is so closely tied to Jesus over and over, isn't it? Because of the sacrifice. I think the fact that he carried the wood is like Jesus having, you know, he had so much back to the Jesus at the cross. That's right. Just as Isaac carried the wood, Jesus carried the cross. Isn't that amazing? And they, they uh, felt this very much in the time of Jesus. It doesn't say in Bible exactly how old he was. He was old enough to do this physically. There's a Jewish tradition that he was about 30 when it happened, which would have been about the age of Jesus. Now, we don't know how old Isaac really was. This is just the Jewish tradition. But that would put him right at the same age as Jesus when he was sacrificed also. Now, we do know from Genesis, uh, it says that his, his mom was 90 when she gave him birth. So if he was 15 and Abraham was about the same age as Sarah, you're thinking about Abraham at 106. If he was 30, you're thinking about Abraham at about 120. So at those kind of ages, Isaac is also a willing sacrifice because there's no way that Abraham would be able to stop Isaac. Isaac is fully capable of resisting should he choose. And so just as Jesus was a willing sacrifice, we can see that in Isaac too. He was strong enough to stop this, and, and Isaac was in control in this time. And that since they're both making a sacrifice of faith. And that Isaac is also an example for us to follow as well as Abraham and it makes me think of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Of course, we, we should never harm ourselves, just to clarify. But like Isaac, willing to put our, our will, our dreams, our hopes uh, on the altar to serve the Lord in, in holiness, this is something that God calls us to do. The heart of this story really is in where Abraham and Isaac are speaking. We looked at that some earlier. This is in verses 7 and 8. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then later on, this, oh, and Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then later on, you see that in the conclusion of the story in verse 14, Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. 
Abraham said, God will provide the, the sacrifice, and God truly did. Isaac had a, a voice. He wasn't quiet through this thing, whole thing. But they had both had faith, and they saw their faith uh, come into action. And so often we feel like we have to provide for God. We can be in Abraham's shoes and think, well, God requires something of us. And it can feel hard to give it up at the time, whether that's a sin that's been so ingrained in our lives or even uh, something that's harmful like uh, doubt or, or guilt that, that won't go away. But when we give up those things that we shouldn't be holding on to anyway, we see that God provides so much more, doesn't he? God is our provider, and we cannot give God. Whenever you give up sin in your life, you feel a lot, you find that you, instead you find the path of freedom. God provides so much more. Whenever we make a generous donation uh, to a cause that the Lord is causing us, calling us to, we don't find that we have less. We find that we have more, more joy for what we've done. And when we've given of ourselves to somebody who's in need uh, through encouragements, uh, we don't find that we have just less time and we're less of a person, but we feel built up and connected to that person so much more deeply than ever before. Because whenever you give, you see that God is a provider. So let's look at just those last couple things, because we'll leave in just a few minutes. What other connections do you see between Isaac and Jesus in this story? We've looked at a couple already. We saw the, the wood on his shoulders. What else do you see in this story that connects him to Jesus? Go ahead. Um, his willingness to go. I mean, just his willingness to go, to listen to his father, his earthly father, just like Jesus listened to his heavenly father. I mean, it's like, I think, I know if it was thinking of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was willing to go. I, I don't know about you, but it's hard enough to get my kids just to stop playing Roblox. I can't imagine them <laughs> hike for three days and then sacrifice yourself. <laughs> what willingness. What else do you guys see? There is an animal burden to donkey by Abraham and Jesus. Jesus rode a donkey like they did. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yes? I want to actually go back a step. Go ahead. Thinking about how, as parents, um, we want to provide and protect and even sometimes control our children because it makes us feel safe, it makes us feel secure. But what an example this is, especially for those of us who have adult children in the room, this is such an example of um, teaching your children not to rely on you, but to rely on the Lord. God will provide. And That's wonderful. Thank you so much for bringing that out. 
God really is the best parent, and, and we can teach our kids to live in faith. That's wonderful. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, not related to what you asked, but uh, there's a Jewish tradition that the Abraham had to cut off a ram's horn to get it out of the bush. Huh. Oh, that's neat. I haven't heard that. That's neat. So, when Jesus returns, there will be a blast of a thumb, and I just thought that was a connection. That's a neat. So, she was saying, if you didn't hear that, he, there's a tradition again, this is, so this is legend, but that he had to cut off one of the horns to get it out, and then he was able to use that as the shofar, which is this ancient trumpet that they used. That's neat. Thank you for sharing that. John 3.16 early on when he says, your son, your only son, whom you love, you know, for God so loved the Lord, he was only begotten son. So it's the first time the word love is used in the Bible in this chapter. You said this is the first time that love is used in the Bible? And also the first time the word worship. We will go worship. That's also the first time it's used. That's wonderful. So love, worship. Actually, this is also the first time that God makes an oath too. Isn't that amazing? Those are all tied together. Fascinating. Yes? Substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. and the lamb mm-hmm. the connected to Christ the sacrificial lamb the revelation I'll make sure to repeat in just a second. You're doing great. All the things, from, from what I hear, it's amazing. I can't wait for everybody else to hear. <laughs> Here's he was talking about how uh, you also see uh, the substitutionary atonement and that the lamb was sacrificed in place of Isaac and Jesus is the sacrifice in place of, of us. Is that, am I catching you, Rock? Yeah, and Christ is talking to about the lamb of God and Revelation also talking about how there's a bleeding lamb is going to be the ruler on the throne and so all that's connected back to Abraham and Christ being the sacrificial atonement. Wonderful. So also in, in Revelation, the, the lamb who is being sacrificed uh, is also the one who is able to rule, and that's uh, who Jesus is. He is the lamb of God. It's also in John when, when, uh, when John the Baptist says, look, this is the lamb of God. It takes away the sins of the world. That's fantastic. So Jesus really is our provision. Every need that we have is fulfilled in him. You know, everything that we need as far as a need for belonging, uh, Jesus gives us belonging by bringing us into his church. We need acceptance, and he gives us grace and seeks us while we are still sinners. We need provision of of so many things in our life, our, our health, our physical needs. Jesus is our provider. He's there for us, and he's the one who's able to give us every gift that comes from the Lord. Jesus really is our provision. And so, although this scripture is about Abraham and Isaac, it's also about Jesus. Go ahead. God has provided, God provided at the last minute what he needed. But he has to bring us through a lot of things before we actually see what that provision is. And that's, that's the spirit part of what to do. Because he... He continued on to the point he was 
so easy to, you know, and a lot of times when you're praying and you're not seeing the answer immediately, and it makes you have to get to the point that you're totally relying on him. I think the purpose is to get us to that point, and not on ourselves, but somehow we can figure out how to do that. That's right. So calling him to this is a matter of helping Abraham to rely fully on the Lord and not just on his own ways. Good. Any other final insights? There's, there's so many things that we are going so quickly. There's so many things that you saw that some of you wanted to share. Anything else you would like to share before we move on? Okay, would somebody like to close us in prayer? I'm happy to do so. Lord, thank you so much that you provide for us. Thank you that you are a good God, and that we can have faith in you, and that even when we go through difficult times in life, we know that you are there, that you understand. And Lord, thank you so much for the provision of Jesus that all that we need we can find in him, that he is our hope, that he is our comfort, that he is our salvation. And so, Lord, help us to continue to look to you as the one who provides everything that we so desperately need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good. You're dismissed. Thanks.